Welcome to the Rooted Podcast, the landowner podcast to empower you with inspiration, new perspectives, and quick tips for your forest management and land ownership journey. Today, we are going to talk about the misunderstanding, we'll call it, that pine trees and pine plantations are monocultures. I don't know about you, but I hear this all the time, especially when I post some of my videos around pine trees and pine plantations, because if you know me, you know I'm a pine girl. That is my expertise. My expertise is helping you grow and thrive your pine plantation. But it is without a doubt, almost every single time, I will get more or less brutally criticize about how pine plantations are not real forests. They're monocultures, they're harmful, you know, and this and that. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, first things first, we're going to actually address the fact of should we actually be stewarding the land? Should we actually be managing it? Should we be planting pines on it? Should we be doing any type of plantations? And we're going to go to my favorite reference point, Genesis chapter two, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Humanity is meant to work the land, okay? Which is get that out of the way. We are meant to work the land. There were no instructions on how to work this garden. But of course, we recognize and everyone more or less admits that Eden was the perfect garden. And of course, that doesn't exist anymore because of sin. But if Eden the perfect garden was meant to work and be worked by Adam, we are definitely meant to work and manage an imperfect land. And let's actually focus on that word garden, okay? Now, we're all going to be getting different visuals of what gardens can and should look like. You know, I say, I have a garden, you are gonna have your own mental picture. You say you have a garden, and I'm probably gonna think of something completely different. And so we use the word garden and kind of have this expectations of what it's going to look like. But if we kind of dive a little bit deeper, there's going to be different parts of the garden. And I imagine, and maybe I'm speculating here, that even Eden had different parts of it that was useful for different reasons. For example, in today's world, you have flower gardens, you have botanical gardens, you have vegetable gardens. There's all different types of gardens. And we all use that same word, and yet they all have a different purpose and are worked and managed differently. And so... I assume Eden would be very, very similar, and therefore it makes sense that we would have different landscapes, different types of landscapes, which would need to be managed differently for their unique purposes for the owner and a manager. So again, going back to Eden was the perfect garden, okay? Adam was placed in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The perfect land was a garden. It was meant to be managed. Our imperfect land is meant even more so to be worked and managed and recognizing that there's going to be different purposes for different parts of it. Okay, so we're just getting that out of the way. All right, so with that in mind, are pine plantations monocultures? Well, I always say no, but I think it depends on your perspective, okay? If you look from that 30,000 point of view. Absolutely not. The landscape is incredibly diverse. You're going to have 
different age of pine plantations. You're going to have different types of pine species. You're going to be having your best management practices in your streams and your wetland depressions and other hardwood areas that are all intermixed across the landscape. Okay. Now, if you're looking in very, very, you know, say the 30 foot point of view, then you could probably say yes. And so our pine plantations monocultures, it's simply down to perspective. For me, I'm always going to keep the perspective of no. Because again, as foresters, we are looking at it from a landscape point of view. We can give recommendations and advice stand to stand. We, we, we talk in those different types of terms and we give those different advices for those different segments. All the while, we are keeping in mind that bigger picture. We never want 3,000 acres of the same age of anything of the same species because one disaster could completely eliminate it, all right? Now, again, we've kind of recognized I'm not leaning on my own understanding these days, and I am highly encouraging you to not lean on your own understanding. And why am I you know, feeling more compelled to move into these different directions and not just lean on to the the college degrees that I got and even my own experiences. Why have I been diving deeper into scripture? Well, because when you can tie in your faith and your understanding, your experience, what you see going on on the ground, your, your practical education, we'll call it, for how to actually grow and manage a tree or the forest, it builds that confidence together when you see the connection so much more. So again, I'm going to go back and see what does scripture say about certain things, all right? And this time, we're actually going to be jumping ahead from Genesis. We've already recognized we are meant to manage and work the land. We are meant to manage a perfect garden. We are definitely meant to work an imperfect land. So we're going to go jump ahead to Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 through 10. And it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, You shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard, and you shall leave them for the poor and for the soreiner. I can't pronounce things. I am the Lord your God. All right? We aren't meant to take absolutely everything for ourselves. That was true back then. It was true that they were meant to not take everything and harvest absolutely everything on the land to be bare. Of course, they're talking about vineyards, they're talking about grapes and maybe even wheat fields. And we're talking about pine trees here, but we're going to, you know, take the same lessons. We aren't meant to take everything for ourselves. And we may not be necessarily leaving the strips of the edges and grape falling grapes for the poor and, and the travelers that are coming by that they might be able to pick. We're doing it for the environment. We're doing it for the benefit of animals. How are we doing this? You know, we have our pine plantations and Danielle, you're always talking about clear cutting and how clear cutting is not destruction. How is that not taking everything and leaving the land bare? I'm glad you asked. This is exactly where best management practices come into play. If you recognize, again, taking your point of view from that 30 foot point of view to that 30,000 foot point of view, you can see the beauty of leaving the edges and not necessarily doing these boxes for leaving and not stripping everything bare. We have our SMZs that we surround our streams and depending on the type of stream that they are, depends on the size and depending on the slope, maybe it's even wider. If it has some prominent, maybe endangered species, we do different parameters to help make sure we are protecting their habitat, their 
their livelihood to the best of our ability while still making sure we are managing the forest landscape because we don't want to have this very focused tunnel vision of what do we do for this particular thing we're trying to be good stewards of the land as a whole which involves and means taking care of those aspects clean water clean air helping the different wildlife species, being very specific on which species you want to manage and help for or enhance for, while at the same time making sure our land is profitable, that it is providing some value for humanity, for our family first, and then for the rest of the community. There is the whole slew of intricacies that we are kind of um, inter intertwining here all at the same time. And it's actually, again, biblical when you look at it from that point of view. We're not stripping the vineyard bare. We have our best management practices to ensure that we leave proper aspects of the land to benefit those who are not with us. Now, again, you may be saying, hey, Danielle, you know, pine plantations weren't natural, okay? So humanity did that, that wasn't natural. That's not what we're supposed to be managing. We're supposed to be managing a natural forest. That's what it was meant to be. Pine plantations are monocultures. Why can't you see that? And it's not right for us to do. Well, again, I'm gonna say, what was the definition of right? What is the definition of good? We all have different perspectives here and different goals. And the beauty of it all, especially with family forests, is that we can manage our lands differently. And I'm not saying your right is better than mine. It is simply different. And it's different based on our soils. It's different based on our location. It's different based on the timber type out there. And it's different based on our goals. And our goals, I obviously, I would hope, would line up with also our markets. What type of markets can we manage for and towards that do align with our goals? All of this comes into play. And so I cannot say what is right for you and what is right for me. Now, pine plantations, I, again, personally love because they provide a lot of that operational efficiency and effectiveness. And it provides a lot of good value and benefits for us as a society. The, the lumber, the pulp, um, just across the spectrum. Everything we use in our daily lives comes from timber products of some sort. A lot of them, southern yellow pine. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And again, that's my area of expertise, so that's what I focus on here. And so are pine plantations, you know, wise and good? And should we have them? Should we not? I'm going to say yes, because again, it's based on the management perspectives. Now, I'm not saying we should convert every single acre and every track of land out there to a pine plantation. This is absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you should convert a wetland to a pine plantation. One, that's not going to make financial sense. And two, you're not going to have your trees thrive. You need to make sure it aligns with the environmental appropriateness of your landscape, which is why I said soils play a role there. If your soils are not suitable, you shouldn't try to fit a, a square circle into a, uh, a square circle. <laughs> You shouldn't try to, to fit a, a square peg into a circle hole, okay? It's just not going to work, no matter how much you might desire it. So you have to use some common sense here. And that, again, is also biblical of using your common sense. But again, are we meant to have plantations? Are we meant to manage and grow profit of that way? Well, I'm going to fall into one of my favorite lessons of the Bible, the parable of the talents. And you're gonna hear me talking about this a lot. And if you sign up for our landowner to steward, you're definitely gonna be hearing this scripture there because it has so many different references we can gain and glean and learn from this 
parable. It's a parable of talents, Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to be reading it all, but essentially what happens here is that these three gentlemen are left with different amounts of gold that they are meant to, um, to, to manage while the owner is away. Okay. So one gets 10, one gets five, one gets one. And he's gone for a while. The owner comes back and says, Hey, you know, what did you do with my money? And the gentleman that had, um, Oh, I take it back. They started with five, two, and one. The gentleman that had the five originally, he grew it to 10 pieces of gold, 10 talents, whichever your translation says. The gentleman with two grew it to four and the gentleman with one didn't grow it at all. He buried it in the ground. Now what's important that I am focusing here is that the people that grew what they were left, they grew and, and, and allowed that to thrive. They allowed their talents to thrive there. They doubled it. It doesn't really matter what they were left with or what they grew it to, okay? That's not really the point here. You're not meant to like double your thrivings. What's meant here is that each of these individuals took what they had and took the responsibility to manage and allow that to thrive there. And they were referred to as good and faithful servants in contrast to the person who only had one talent that they were responsible for, a small amount, especially in comparison to the first one who had five talents to manage and the second one that had two, and they did what they did to allow that to grow for the owner. The one that had the one, he simply just buried it in the ground, okay? He was like, I'm going to keep the status quo. I am not going to lose this money here, and when he gets back, I'm going to give him exactly what he gave to me. He's regarded as a lazy sloth, and he is pretty severely judged, okay? And now you're maybe like, well, how does this relate to pine plantations in in any way possible? How does this relate to pine plantations being monocultures and whether they're right or not right? It's because I want to focus here on the growing and thriving of our forest landscape, just like the growing and thriving of those talents, those people, those men were responsible to grow. The one who simply had the status quo didn't try to do anything else. He just kept it and said, I'm just going to let it be and it is what it is. He was regarded as lazy because he didn't manage what he was handed responsibly versus the others who took and it doesn't expand upon like how did they make this grow. All it says is that they grew what they were handed and gave that back to the owner when he came back. They were regarded as good and faithful, okay, because they took the responsibility to help it thrive. And when it comes to our landscape, we have been handed the responsibility to manage to the best of our means. Now, again, we have to take into account our soils, our markets, and again, our own stewarding goals. No goal is better than the other. If you have a strong investment uh, profiting goal to grow timber income, you're still going to be keeping in consideration best management practices. We're not reaping it bare. You are still following a line that you are meant to manage it. And just because you decide to manage it for thriving and maximizing your profit out there doesn't make it any better or any worse than someone that is simply using their land as a personal retreat and really trying to thrive their, their deer habitat for hunting, or maybe they're trying to really grow this conservation um, area for endangered bees or something like that. Neither of them are better than the other. What's important is that within each of their goals and those perspectives, they are taking the appropriate steps to manage appropriately and wisely to help them get there. All right. And that's essentially exactly how I perceive the parable of the talents because they weren't 
rewarded or criticized based on the steps that they took and how far they went. They were rewarded for taking the responsibility to make it grow. They each were handed different amounts and they just took that initiative and ran with it compared to the one that said, I ain't gonna do anything with it. I'm just gonna make sure it doesn't get any worse. So there's a lot to be said for taking action. Now, again, how does this relate to pine plantations? Pine plantations is a management act to grow and thrive and manage your forested landscape for a variety of means, okay? And if we look at it through that, that lens and look at it through how can we enhance our best management practices to make sure we aren't just necessarily stripping the land bare, that it always is going to be environmentally sustainable, this is when you start taking wise actions, recommendations, getting wise counsel from your foresters, from your natural resource um, resources around your local areas, biologists. You can really start making a lot of momentum while managing in that part of the garden, which is appropriate for your plantations. Now, you may be thinking, well, like, what about pine straw raking? Isn't that raking, you know, the, the land bare? Well, you're right, it is. It, it's very, very rare out there. Um, and that's gonna be a topic for another day, but it is important to recognize that pine straw raking typically is a small percentage of the entire landscape. And so you are still taking steps to make sure that you aren't harming your streams, that you are leaving some type of environmental benefits. Your pine straw raking is a small segment, a small percentage of your landscape typically, but also a small percentage of your time frame. You're not raking it from the beginning. You usually can't rake it until at least age eight or so. And you're only gonna be raking a couple of species of pines, longleaf and slash. And then again, after that first thinning, your raking is done. And you're gonna start seeing that understory thrive again, especially if you add in some supplemental enhancements. So I would argue that even though it is bare for a temporary time period, it's not forever. And you are taking different actions that are appropriate for that season of life which again is also biblical because there's seasons of life for absolutely everything. Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 through 8. Go ahead and check that out. Anyways, if you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give us a like, give us a, a shout out on social media. I would love to hear what your thoughts are. And if you're ready to connect your scripture, your faith with land ownership and management training, check out Landowner Steward. We are hosting it September 18th, but enrollment is open now. And we are focusing on sustainability and your finances. So we're going to be bridging the two. What is sustainable for you? What does financial sustainability look for, like for you? And helping you actually understand what your steps are going to be so you can get a true hand on your land and take the right steps moving forward. So be sure to go check that out. Um, again, www.landandladies.com programs landowner to steward section. Until next time.